Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. No one is funnier than you. People laugh just thinking about the things you've said. I'm laughing at one of them right now. Coworkers repeat your jokes at the office, but they're never as good as when you tell them and shame on them for trying. There. Don't you feel better? You'll also feel better knowing you could save when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Although I'm sure you'd have a funnier way to say that. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. HD Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hi, this is Manjula Narayan, National Books Editor, Hindustan Times, and this is the Books and Authors Podcast. It's a weekly podcast where I speak to authors who've got a new book out. Hi, so today I have with me Yashaswini Chandra, who's written The Tale of the Horse, a history of India on horseback. Hi, Yashaswini. Hi, Manjula. Thank you so much for inviting me and for your interest in the book. Yeah, it's a wonderful book. I mean, uh, you know, and it's uh, while I was reading it, I was thinking, and I think you've mentioned also that it's not just horses; it's also people, right? I mean, it is setting out to tell the story of horses, but at the end of it, I felt like it was a history of the people of, well, at least uh, some parts of India, especially you know the uh, uh, the chapter on uh, on Rajasthan. It was really in depth. So talk about that, you know. So yeah, I think the subtitle captures um the approach in the book quite well. It's a history of India on horseback. Yes. Um, you know the history, the, the 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 histories of people and horses are so closely entwined. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why it was worth researching um the history of the horse in India for me. But mm-hmm. I was also conscious that it's not only the animal, you know, the 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 animal has in has had an influence on the history mm-hmm. of India in general. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do is to look at the larger history surrounding the horse, the way mm-hmm. in which it's impacted Indian society, culture, you know, all the historical developments surrounding the horse. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. that and you know. Um, if you were to sit down and think about it the horse was omnipresent right it mm-hmm. informed you know almost every aspect of um human life during the age of the horse when you know uh, you know when the when the use of the horse was quite prevalent yes so it's it's actually quite a large story it's a big story and there are lots of sources across sources whether it's sort of um historical texts or art or folklore popular belief i mean mm. there are so many meaningful references to the horse that and you know the, you, you can look at so many different aspects trade war sport um yes. the bond between humans and horses it's actually a very big story so i had to arrive at a structure that was doable mm. and this is why sort of the book you know as you go along it sort of narrows and narrows So it begins with the early history of the horse in India. Hmm. I think that was very important to establish that the horse had been relevant um, all along, right? Yes. And um, so it was important to set that general backdrop, right? Hmm. Um, lay out the premise of the book, the scope of the book, and then you know there's a part that is dedicated to the overall Indian scene. Yes. 
when i trace um the 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 caravan trade in horses from central asia mm. and to an extent iran and then there's a chapter in which i trade uh, i trace the sea trade in horses from the middle east right yes then i discuss the emergence of local indian breeds and how indian horses were perceived mm. and then of course i focus on the moguls so the book to a large extent is uh, concerned with the early modern period Hmm. Right. Um, yeah. And then, of course, I move on to a specific horse territory, so I could take a close look, a good look, and you know, hmm. indicate the many layers uh, surrounding the horse in relation to a particular region. Otherwise, it would have been very difficult to capture the full force of the influence and the imprint of the horse on Indian history. That is true. That is true. What you've brought out is how the horse. is was everywhere at one point i guess yeah yeah that has i mean i say in the book that um the if you prepare to look for it the horses everywhere even at it, as it appears nowhere mm-hmm. i mean there isn't very much literature on um the the horse the story of the horse in india yes so you, you don't realize how important and how relevant it is but mm-hmm. you know um you even even today there are remnants of the traditional horse culture and um you know and and its impact its impact if you if you think about it its impact is still felt um so and you know like regions like manipur or um, you know kach kathiawar these were areas where local breeds emerged yes these were not necessarily areas that you read about or think about in sort of larger histories of india mm. you know um so that was very interesting for me it's like i also got to travel to all these different regions i got yeah. to think about them their their horse cultures and that was quite enlightening for me as well like manipur for example is the birthplace of modern polo yes right hmm. uh, but modern polo was created in a manner of speaking by the british yes yeah so i mean you it's interesting to look past that and look at how a local breed emerged a local form of the sport emerged how it captured mm. the imagination of the few british officers mm. and planters who had watched a few matches how they re- reinvented it how you know the horse culture so which is why the book also transitions into the colonial period yes you know because that marks a break from the traditional horse culture of india the the historical processes and mm. you know um i think it was important to trace that europeanization mm. of uh, you know the horse scene of india yeah they seem to have a lot to answer for though you know i mean <laughs> they do actually they do actually but to be fair i mean with mechanization in any case horses were going to become more and more irrelevant hmm but yes they heaped a lot of disdain hmm. on indian horses on indian breeds on indian horse scene in general you think looking at colonial sources that you know the climate was not at all conducive um people didn't know how to look after horses and uh, it was you know you think that you just think that there was not very much going on but in mm. fact there was yes and, um you know they started importing thoroughbreds whalers mm. um horses that they considered up to the mark by european standards mm. you know and it led to ecological sense in the sense that it led to the decline 
or yeah. um, a lot of Indian breeds. Yes. Right. Hmm. So one breed is practically extinct. The uh, the Deccani horses or the Bhima hmm. ponies. I mean, it's no hmm. longer recognized as a breed. Uh, when once upon a time the Maratha light cavalry, uh, you know, made extensive use of them. Okay. Uh, so and also horse breeding in India was related to a nomadic pastoral way of life. Yes. Which the British cracked down on. So hmm. horse breeding also declined. Yeah, so they do have a lot to answer for. They were, like, <laughs> yeah. Okay, and uh, you know, like you were mentioning, how in literature the horse doesn't turn up much, but in painting, like you've, uh, you know, you've um, elaborated in your book, the many wonderful, you know, pahadi paintings. So let's talk about that, Nan Sok, and all that, you know. And your cover is so wonderful. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the cover is absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> um. No, horses do turn up in text. I mean, they're all over the text. If you look at like the index uh, of, say, the Shah Jahan Amma, hmm. you know, there'll be a block of references to horses. Yeah, but they're very perfunctory in nature. So-and-so gifted so-and-so, so many horses. Hmm. I mean, it's very commonplace, right? They're hmm. very, because, you know, they were like sort of, it's like, you know, it's like cars. Okay. Yeah, they constantly mention, they're constantly there, but it's very difficult to read any particular meaning into those references. Hmm. So I can say that um, so-and-so arrived on a horse, so-and-so dismounted his horse, so-and-so, <laughs> so-and-so, so many horses, you know. Um, so you get a sense of the scale, you know, but you don't really get any very telling information. Okay. In paintings again, hmm. so there's a, there, there's a range of paintings. There are equestrian portraits. There are portraits of horses. There are hunting scenes. There are processional scenes. You know, hmm. again, the horse gets mistaken as a prop. You focus on different aspects of the painting. You don't necessarily focus on the person, basically. Hmm. Yeah, you don't necessarily think very much about his mount. But if you start looking at these paintings very carefully, like for example, you see that Shah Jahan, in uh, most of his equestrian portraits, and he is depicted on the same kind of horse. Yeah, yeah, and in in some instances, it's almost it's almost exactly the same horse. Hmm. Yeah, and uh, so the fact is that he chose to be depicted on a particular horse or a particular kind of horse. He identified with that horse you mentioned i think that he preferred the the piebald horse right yeah that's the horse that appears everywhere and why, why do you think they had such a preference for these cuebald and piebald horses oh there was a great taste for them uh, for them right mm-hmm. i think right from the ancient times you know there was a taste for colorful horses in india it's a fact um piebalds cuebald so a piebald is a horse with white and black patches a cuebald yes. is with white and brown to some yeah. bay patches, right? And then blue horse is actually a gray horse. Okay. It just appears blue. Hmm. Um, there's also the blue Rowan horse, again, a horse that appears blue. Okay. Um, you know, so there was a great taste for these horses. Okay. Uh, and they were very often described in terms of their color. Okay. And there, in many cultures, like pie balls and skew balls were uh, disparaged. They weren't looked upon... Um, they weren't sort of, 
liked very much. Oh. But in India, there was a great taste for them. And the courses were especially bread. Oh. You know, for um, exporting to India, bearing that in mind. Okay. You still see them sometimes in these, you know, villages and all, like, where people who have horses. I still see, like, the skewballed ones. I haven't seen piebald ones so much. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so the thing is that even when horses started being bred in India, keeping mm-hmm. that that taste, that preference in mind, okay. um, you know, I think horse, horses of that nature got started being bred. Like in Rajasthan, two date pie balls are hugely popular at all mm-hmm. these, um, you know, horse fairs, pushkar, etc. Mm-hmm. Right? All these livestock fairs. I mean, they mm-hmm. fell the highest prices to date. Okay. And so, you know, there's now, there there are now, I mean, however little, however limited the horse scene now is. I mean, the horse is now mm. as marginal to human life as it was once central. Yes. Um, it's sort of serves limited uti- utilitarian purpose. Uh, it's, it's use, riding is restricted to a few enthusiasts and equestrians. Yes. It's hardly terribly mainstream. Horses are ter- hardly terribly mainstream anymore. Hmm. Yeah. But so even in today's context, there are two sides to, you know, the horse scene of India. One is the more traditional one, which you see at fairs such as Pushkar. And then one is the more sort of um, the more elitist, Europeanized um, horse scene. You know, all these horse shows and stud farms and polo matches and all the rest of it. Yes. The kind of horses you see at Pushkar, for example, and the kind of horses you'll see at a polo match or a horse show will be very different. Very different, yeah. And the latter is a reflection of the Europeanization okay. of the horse scene of India, right? Hmm. But you know the horse scene of India, like, yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, this year, Pushkar, the fair didn't even happen because of COVID. So for the first time. There was no Pushkar fair for animals, you know, the, the great fair. So, but anyway, it has been in decline, like you've mentioned in your book. So you think that going forward, it'll only be the elitist scene for horses in India? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I've talked in the book because there are certain parts of Rajasthan. There are even certain parts of the Himalayas, for example, yeah. where, you know, um, horses are still required. Hmm. For purposes of travel, it's still easier to get around on a horse, right? Um, yes. Yeah. You know, the status, the prestige attached to horses, the use of horses in wedding ceremonies. Hmm. Mm, I mean, all of that, I think, will continue. But yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it will shrink more and more. Hmm. And ultimately, I suppose it will be restricted to sort of the latest um, scene. Okay. Yeah, and there are there are enthusiasts. Like for example, um, the, the the Marwari horse. A lot of there has been a lot of concern in Rajasthan about mm. uh, preserving it, breeding it, and you do have um, you know sort of local elites making a conscious mm. effort to ride them, promote them. Um, mm. You know, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know what what how exactly it'll transpire, but I hope. I hope some of the traditional horse scene of India also um, continues. It doesn't sort of just die out. Hmm. You've mentioned your horse. So did this grow, did the book and the project grow from, you know, a personal love for horses? I'm, I'm sure it did. You talk about that. 
हंड्रेड 100%. इफ यू रिमेंबर यू केम टू चैट विद विद अस Yes, when we were managing, uh, when I was managing the multi-volume documentation project of the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Yes, yes. And um, this is when I was with Sahapedia, and we had been commissioned yes. by the President Secretariat and IGNCA. Yes. Bring out a series of books on different aspects of the Rashtrapati Bhavan. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So the I I was managing the project, but I ended up uh, co-editing two of the volumes and contributing a um. uh a chapter to one more and one of the volumes i co-edited was on the president's bodyguard yes right and i wrote the chapter about all the president's horses hmm and that was very exciting for me you know it it, it was just the horses were a fascinating subject to hmm. write about i felt like there is so much there is such a fine story you can tell around horses yes right and um so that is the first time when i realized that actually you know these are sentient beings they are beings with feelings they beings uh keep you know capable of inspiring feelings yes um, so they they actually lend themselves hmm. to a good story right yeah before i did that i might not have realized that you can actually write about horses but yes i ride i love horses I have a horse that I'm terribly devoted to. Huh. So the book definitely comes from a place of personal experience, personal involvement. Um I'm quite clear that ultimately this book is based on a love of horses. Okay. And that love I mean predates your president's uh, guard book, right? Yeah, one of the reasons why I jumped at the opportunity of um co co-editing uh working on that volume is because you know i love horses and um hmm. yeah and i love horses you visited us in that office we had an office near the regimental headquarters hmm. and i just sort of loved going visiting the regiment you know pottering about the stables gaining that first hand experience yes uh, yeah so for sure for sure <laughs> having said that having said that that was the motivation that's the place that i came from Hmm. but i went about researching this book you know and um conceptualizing it researching it hmm. on a fairly on a serious footing yes of course because yeah. there is a very rich history there are some fantastic sources if you look across these sources um then there are so many social histories um hmm. so many social political aspects of history to be explored around horses right yeah so that's what i did the kind of information that comes out like you know i mean one knew that perhaps like that slavery existed okay of humans like the the trade in humans existed but one didn't know that it was or didn't realize it might have been so widespread which comes across in your book you know you're talking about the horse but incidentally also about the trade in humans which was Uh, discouraged by akbar right so talk about that you know yeah that was very interesting for me to discover as well and um, i call it the underbelly of the trade in horses yes it wasn't that widespread i don't think it was ever that extensive it was quite limited okay and it was one of the measures adopted by certain rulers to hmm. sort of discourage rebellions okay in any case it started to sort of peter out 
in the mughal period okay but there are instances when you know um it's discussed in terms of like in the language of a barter right so so you you say you get horses from central asia ha huh. you get horses from multan and kabul right through multan and kabul at least yeah and um you export slaves through the same markets gosh right okay. so and it was uh, this is how political prisoners were punished a lot of like hunter gatherers hmm. um who were captured in the course of hunting expeditions were also sold as slaves hmm this is a minor aspect of the story but again this these are the kind of details these are the kind of uh, layers that exist around the history of the horse in india hmm uh, if you choose to take a close look okay that's yashaswini chandra talking about a book the tale of the horse a history of india on horseback This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019 and someone is waiting for the previews to start in a movie theater. Hey, you want anything? Popcorn? Soda? No, nothing. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.